Okay, we are live on CTSS. Hope everybody is doing good. I'm always a little concerned when I'm doing the CTSS when I do it on the quiz format because I can't really tell the way it works if it's really starting. So I have my laptop, which I'm working on, and then I'm looking at my desktop and I see I'm live. So I'm very, very pleased that everything's working fine. Okay, these are some cases I quiz my faculty on. Our faculty never get a wrong answer, but some of these are really challenging. So let me show you an example. What about this case, patient with abdominal pain? And what you recognize is there's a mass in the head of the pancreas. Okay, well, normally I would say adenocarcinoma next case. What makes this tumor somewhat unusual is there's no evidence of dilated pancreatic duct or common duct. If you have a mass in the head of the pancreas, even a mass of this size, you expect to be able to see um, ductilitation. Now, what else could it be? Let's look a little bit more. You can see it again on the coronal views abutting the patient's portal vein. But what, what could it be? I guess you could have a neuroendocrine tumor. They're usually hypervascular, but sometimes they're not very vascular, but typically not this low density. Metastasis, melanoma, renal cell give you Mets, but breast gives you Mets. Some of the Mets can be hypovascular, but this is almost like low density cystic. One of the people I quizzed suggested, could this be like a serous cyst adenoma, a very atypical version without many much obvious cysts? And I guess that's something to consider. Um, but what else could this be? Well, we could go through a lot of things. This is a great case, and this is where the pathologist wins the game. This was a schwannoma. We've seen several schwannomas. Um, we see them occasionally. They're low-density lesions, no ductilitation, typically no enhancement. A very unusual diagnosis. The good news is you, you have them resected, they're cured. It's just impossible to make the diagnosis of imaging and be that specific. Another case, abdominal pain. Now what you notice in this case, there's a mass in the head of the pancreas and the body of the pancreas, or body tail junction. The mass you can see is hypovascular. Now again, you would say pancreatic cancer, but you don't see multiple pancreatic cancers typically, but you can occasionally. Metastasis, again, that's a possibility. Uh, renal cell particularly gives you vascular mets that are multiple, but these aren't vascular. So what else could you be thinking about? Neuroendocrine tumors can be multiple, but again, they'd be vascular. So what gives you multiple solid lesions? Now you also notice the patient has prominent periodic nodes. That should be a helpful sign to you. Then you also notice, again, the nodes around the aorta and IVC. But you also notice, let me go back, there's something in the patient's left kidney right there. Now that's subtle, but there it is. It's a solid mass, kind of funny looking. So now I'm giving you mass head of pancreas, mass body of pancreas, body tail junction, mass in the left kidney, periodic adenopathy. What are you thinking about? Hey, by the way, look how nice the cinematic shows that lesion. Really nicely brings it out. And this was lymphoma. B-cell lymphoma can involve the pancreas, can involve multiple solid organs. We think about liver, we think about spleen, we think about kidney, we never think about pancreas. Wonderful case of lymphoma involving the pancreas and kidney and adenopathy. And also, by the way, that's the chest, so it also involved the chest. So a good learning exercise, what you need to know, what you need to be thinking about which is why we do quizzes. The quiz is not to always get the right answer, though my goal is always to get the right answer. Sometimes you can't, but it's how you think is the reason we do quizzes. 
Okay, another section I did with the GI tract. And in this case, what do you see? You see very quickly a mass in the stomach that looks somewhat vascular, though theoretically uh, could be calcification, but we'll say it's vascular. On the coronal, it's basically submucosal in nature. Well, what gives you vascular lesions? Neuroendocrine tumors, metastasis, those are good possibilities. Um, ectopic pancreas can do it. Um, what else? Submucosal lesions, leiomyomas are a thought. But you, you kind of run out of things pretty quickly. And one of the things you have to think about, one of the causes of submucosal lesions that are vascular are glomus tumors. They're unusual gastric tumors. They can occur in small bowel as well. Hypervascular, submucosal, think carcinoid, think metastasis, think glomus tumor. Okay, great case. Another case, right lower quadrant mass. Now, which is important, but why am I showing you the left upper quadrant? Well, if you look at the stomach, there are multiple masses in the stomach. It looks like multiple polyps. Look at the coronal view and the axial view. Look at those multiple large polypoid lesions, and there are too many to count. So I then ask you, what gives you polyps in the stomach? You can have fundic polyps, but they're small. What about the syndromes, familiar polyposis, FAP, Gardner syndrome, Canada concrete? All are good possibilities. Um, multiple lesions, okay? But I said to you, the patient had right lower quadrant pain. There's a mass in the rectus muscle. Now, of course, you could say maybe the patient has gastric cancer and has a muscle met. But if I put it together, multiple polypoid lesions in the stomach, think polyposis. Think of mass in the abdominal wall. In the right history, it would have been endometriosis, could be metastasis. What about a desmoid tumor? Smooth, homogeneous, slightly enhancing. Gastric polyps and desmoid tumors, familiar polyposis is the correct answer. Just a wonderful example. Desmoids in patients with familial polyposis, FAP, have a predilection for surgical sites and mostly develop after colectomy small bowel mesentery and musculoepineurotic structures in the abdominal wall. Your surgical sites are the two most common locations for desmoid, and this was at a prior surgical resection site. So again, FAP is the most common GI polyposis syndrome, and again, high risk of colorectal adenomas and carcinomas. It's autosomal dominant, but also has desmoid tumors, which you think about but I think about it more commonly in gardeners. Okay, what about this case? This is an oldie but goodie, fever. You see air in the biliary tree. Now the patient could have had a sphincterotomy, the patient could have had a bypass. But then you see a dilated loop of small bowel with a mass in the bowel, and air in the biliary tree. How do you put that together? You look again, air in the common duct and biliary tree, air in the gallbladder with a thick-walled gallbladder with some sludge, dilated small bowel, but there's that mass again. Is that a tumor? No, as you look more carefully, it has rim-like calcification. So now you say, what gives me a mass with bowel obstruction? You can go through a whole bunch of different tumors, but the air in the biliary tree in a patient with no procedure, you gotta be thinking that the patient has a fistula from the gallbladder or common duct into the patient's bowel, air tracks upward, and a stone passes downward. This is the world famous gallstone ileus. 
I haven't seen many articles on gallstone ileus in a long time, but here is, you know, way back when talking about how CT is valuable, high mortality rate, in part because these are typically elderly patients and often the diagnosis is delayed. Usual presentation is SBO. So the findings, air and biliary tree, air and gallbladder, intestinal obstruction, usually more distally, that biliary enteric fistula with the air in the biliary tree, and the stone in the small bowel. And the stones usually obstruct when they're over two and a half centimeters. So gallstone ileus is disease of the elderly. We don't see it as much anymore, but you always need to be aware that you may see it soon. If you remember, those of you who've been around the plain film days, when you were a resident, one of the things they quizzed you on is they gave you a plain film of the abdomen, there was air in the biliary tree, and then if you looked hard, you saw the uh, gallstone in the terminal ileum. Great case, can save the patient's life by making the diagnosis. Okay, what else? Acute abdomen. Look how ugly, I hate to use the word ugly, but look how ugly that small bowel is. Markedly thickened, edematous, ascites, long loops of bowel. This bowel looks really inflamed. It looks um, very, very aggressive, acute process. I'd be thinking about bowel ischemia. I want to look at the mesenteric vessels, make sure they're good. Patient radiation therapy, I think of that. Patient had graft-versus-host disease if they had a bone marrow transplant, I think of that. Some severe enteritis, I would think of that as well. When you look here, the vessels are patent. The edematous changes of the bowel nicely seen on cinematic. So what are we dealing with here? Well, what, you know, you go through all of those infectious and inflammatory things. And I mentioned iatrogenic stuff like radiation, graft-versus-host. What I didn't mention was medication. You can get really inflamed bowel in patients on chemotherapy, but there's one drug that gives you an acute abdomen, probably more than one, but there's one I'm thinking of, gives you an acute abdomen, really diseased bowel, and that's ACE inhibitors. They give you severe angioedema, often within 24 hours of taking the medication. Really impressive thickened bowel. Angioedema is a clinical description of inflammation-mediated edema in the dermis of subcutaneous tissues owing to increased permeability across capillaries. Again, the GI uh, is really the best example. Typically, these are ACE inhibitors. Uh, again, it's a leading cause of drug-induced angioedema in the United States. How do you treat it? You stop the medication, stop for 24 hours, the patient's back to normal. So again, we often don't think about it because no one says rule out angioedema, the history is usually the patient was started on medication by the cardiologist or their internist for high blood pressure a day earlier, but often you don't have that history. So a really nice example of something we see not uncommonly, but it goes unrecognized. Here's another example of the same entity, again, thickened with the cross-sectional halo of small bowel. Look at the vasa recta, thinned and prominent. So you're saying to yourself, enteritis, inflammatory bowel disease. I'm worried about ischemic disease. Look how small the vessels are. Is this a perfusion issue? Look at the beautiful vasorecta on the volume rendering. What am I dealing with here? Well, what you're dealing with here, when you look at the bowel, submucosal edema, mucosal enhancement, you're dealing with the same thing. Small bowel enteritis, acute enteritis, due to ACE inhibitors, within this case was lisinopril, which is one of the most common drugs prescribed. So 
lisinopril. We're radiologists. We don't give drugs. We don't know what's an ACE inhibitor from whatever. Lisinopril. Think about that. Okay, kidney. Let me just go and finish up. I know my time is running short here. Patient has a right renal mass. Okay, renal cell. Next case. Very vascular. Has maybe a scar. So maybe I'm thinking, could this be an oncocytoma? You can get a sesame B scan to prove that. Uh, it may be important because if it's an oncocytoma, you do a partial nephrectomy. If it was a renal cell, it may be a tough case for a partial. Here it washes out. Now, we talk about oncocytomas in renal cells. When you do a biopsy, the pathologist says, looks like an oncocytoma. And if I had the host specimen and it all looked like this, I would say it's an oncocytoma. So they need the whole kidney or the whole mass. But could you do anything else? Here the mass is well-defined, but it's large, goes toward the pelvis. Well, this was resected and this was an oncocytoma. Okay, tough call, tough call, right? You know, I, I would put on my differential, could be an oncocytoma, but I still would favor a, a renal cell carcinoma, probably a clear cell. And just to make the point, here's another case, same location, large mass, necrotic, Maybe there's a scar there, but look at those prominent vessels. I don't know, could this be an oncocytoma again? Well, there's some capsular retraction. There's a scar. This was a clear cell renal cell carcinoma. You can see it looks like an aggressive tumor. I'm not sure why I would consider it not being a malignancy, but it makes the point the last two cases don't look all that much different. It looks like two clear cell RCCs to me, but one was a clear cell and one was an oncocytoma. What can I say? Another thing, and maybe this is the last case I'll do, hematuria, remember I said you need stones, the reason you look for non-contrast is stone disease, but we do make the point look carefully because there's something here in the left renal pelvis. It's subtle there, maybe more obvious in the coronal, it looks higher density. What the heck is that? Is that anything? Stone lower pole, but what about the upper pole? Well, when you give contrast, you can see a little bit on the axial, but better on the coronal. That triangular structure we're describing is better defined, doesn't fill in. It's a mass. And as we go to venous phase, it's well-defined again, not enhancing like the rest of the kidney. What is that? On the excretory phase, you see it better you see it's part of the calyceal system, but it's destroyed calyces. And now you have a lesion that's destroying the calyces, upper pole, soft tissue mass, classic for a transitional cell carcinoma. And I show this case on the excretory phase as an easy diagnosis. But if you were looking simply, simply at the patient's um, axials, um, you know, or non-contrast, I don't know. but. When you get the late phase, it's easy, but I'm telling you, you gotta think about a TCC. When you see soft tissue fullness in the renal pelvis, say, I'm worried about something there, you need a contrast enhanced study with the late phase imaging to get you the, uh, the images that look like that with the destroyed upper pole calyx and carcinoma. So with that, I've gone for 16 minutes, 17 minutes. I've showed you more than 10 amazing cases. I hope you got them all right. But more importantly, I hope you enjoyed yourself, and I hope you like those cases. So we, we will see you soon, um, and um, I hope everybody has a great day.
and we're posting a whole bunch of new lectures on CTSS, lots of content. Get back to me, Lily, Sarah, let us know what you think, and have a great day.